0: Hey everyone, Maria Cassie is here. As I was just going through the history of the Make Money Behave podcast, I realized that this week, four years ago, is when I first launched. So instead of giving you something new today, I thought I would do a quick rerun of my pilot episode and let you just rehear what it is that I am so passionate about, why I started this podcast in the beginning. And if you've not heard it yet, this will be a great opportunity for you to see where we've started and where we're heading. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day as always thanks for listening enjoy welcome to the make money behave podcast where we talk about your money your circumstances and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both my name is maria casillas and i am honored to be your host Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Make Money Behave podcast. As you may have heard in the intro, this podcast is where we're gonna talk about your money, your circumstances, and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both. Now, I wanna start by saying that if you came across this podcast because you're looking for that next bit of information that's gonna get you rich by tomorrow just by changing a few behaviors, you are in the wrong place, okay? But if you woke up one day and said, there's got to be more to this money thing than just budgets and numbers, give me a little bit of fun, give me a little bit of something that I can that I can relate to, you're in the right spot. Now, I don't want to bore you with my whole life, on episode 1. And there's going to be plenty of time for me to give you tidbits about who I am and where I came from and what my philosophy is about all of this stuff. But for those who know nothing about me my name is Maria Casillas and believe it or not I was actually very shy When I was growing up, I think it was my fifth grade teacher who brought my parents into a conference and said, you know, she really needs to come out of her shell. She's a smart girl, but we need to see her interacting with more people more often. And I don't know if it was the teacher saying that because just saying something isn't enough to catapult a change. But at some point, probably around sixth or seventh or eighth grade, I emerged from that shell. And now, as my husband would tell you, it's like almost impossible to get me to shut up. So um, (laughs) anyway, that connection that I have with people has been something that has driven me for years. Okay, when I went to college, I decided to major in psychology, so I could get an idea of how our brain works and why we do the things that we do. When I went to grad school, I decided to go into substance abuse counseling because I wanted to empower people to take control back and get their life back on track. I was a whopping 23 years young at that time, and the only reason I bring up my age is because I want you to picture a 23-year-old young girl who has never even been wildly drunk in her life, sitting across the table from a 65-year-old male who has been addicted to alcohol longer than I had been alive. And I want you to picture the look on his face when he walked in and was told that I was going to be that counselor that actually helped him move forward with his life. He was skeptical, to say it nicely, and he did not hide his skepticism. In fact, he told me flat out that there was no way that I was gonna be able to help him, and That was a little bit intimidating because, you know, I I wasn't real sure if I was going to be able to help him without having had the exact same experience that he had. Thankfully, it didn't take very long before I realized that not having had that exact same experience was actually a blessing because I would not be tempted then to tell him everything I did to get out of the situation. Rather, I was able to take a step back Listen to what he described as his own situation and be able to almost like a mirror, turn that mirror around and reflect to him what I was seeing so that he could then come up with his own solution rather than taking what I had to say at face value. Not only did that approach help him identify some of the choices that he had made to help get him to the spot he was currently in, but... It actually put the control back in his hands. You see, when he actually successfully gave up drinking, he did not have to come to me and give me the credit for that, nor was I in a position to take credit for that, nor was I in a position to accept blame for getting him to where he had been when I first met him. See, that's the beautiful thing about life, is that we are given choices. Yes, stuff happens to us and yes, we can't control everything, but we are given choices and one of those choices is how do we deal with the things that we have zero control over? How do we react when something bad happens to us so that we do not allow it to define us? Honestly, I have no idea where that gentleman is these days, but I do know That that was a lesson I needed to learn and I needed to have it seared in my brain because just a short eight years later, I was going to get a nice smack in the face and a dose of my own medicine. It's funny because when I talk to people about my debt-free journey, I will say things like, yeah, in 2009, my husband and I found ourselves in about $92,000 worth of debt. And nobody ever calls me on it, which I think is hilarious because the truth is we didn't find ourselves in $92,000 worth of debt. We walked our happy asses right into it. Sure there were circumstances beyond our control that probably played a role in helping us get there maybe a little more quickly than we might have otherwise. For example, the the housing market bubble bursting in 2008. That led to a series of other events, such as our credit lines being slashed down to nothing and the likelihood of my husband being laid off much higher. But the truth is, none of that caused our situation. It just helped peel back the layers and expose it more quickly. And talk about ripping a Band-Aid off. I mean, we went from the excitement of building a new house and furnishing that home and having a new job, and and starting a new business, and having all of these things, quote, going for us, to not being able to afford the house payment anymore, not knowing how we're going to pay the electricity, and using credit cards to put food and gas on. It wasn't overnight, but it felt that way because it only took three years or less to go from the feeling of that abundance to the feeling of Oh my God. And there we sat, exposed, band-aid ripped off, and the reality of our situation looking us straight in the eye. And if I'm being totally transparent here, that level of exposure was very uncomfortable for my husband. And it wasn't warm and fuzzy for me. Please don't get me wrong. But I was so grateful that the truth was finally being exposed because I didn't think that there was any way I could keep it up anymore, keep up that front of having it all put together because I I didn't have it all put together. And I had sort of been accidentally assigned the task of managing the finances, but there was never really any partnership. There was never any uh, plan that went with that. And so I felt like I was drowning in this sea of frustration. And to top it all off, I wasn't working outside the home with the exception of a small direct sales business I had started just, you know, months before. So I carried into the situation all of this guilt for not working outside the home. And my husband carried into the situation a whole lot of resentment because I was not contributing to the family household budget and there was just no real strong communication going on. So it was definitely affecting our marriage. It got to the point one time when I said to him, we can either keep the house or we can keep our marriage going. And that was not at all an ultimatum. It was the reality of where we were. Because keeping that house meant that we had to keep everything that came along with it. Not just the higher electric bills and the extra taxes, but also the burden I felt every single time a bill came through that mail. Or the frustration I felt every time a paycheck hit our bank account and it ran out before I could finish paying all that we had due. No, it wasn't an ultimatum. It was my last-ditch attempt at survival. All these years later, I'm happy to announce that we did choose our marriage over the house. So that's good news. And, uh, and it also provides hope, I think, for you if you're listening and, and you're kind of stuck in the rut that we found ourselves in. But the question I get asked most often is, what did you do? How did you get out of that mess? What was the very first step that you took and I've had to wrestle with figuring that out because once you've done something, you kind of forget how you did it, right? I don't, I don't know if you ever experienced that, but I know I do. But after some digging, I realized that the first step that I had to do was to recognize that money had been controlling me and that it was now my turn to take that control back. So I encourage anyone who is listening to this podcast right now, if you feel like you've been gypped, if you've gotten dealt a poor hand, You know, that may be true, but you had something to do with it too. And the only reason I push so hard to have people accept that responsibility is because the only way that you're going to be able to take control back and start making your money behave the way you need it to is to take responsibility for the actions you've taken up to this point. In a nutshell, that's what this podcast is going to be about Of course, we will talk about how to actually identify where you are with your finances because I'm a firm believer that you can't move forward unless you have some idea of where you currently are. We're also going to talk about different tips on how to start a positive habit and maintain that habit until it actually creates momentum for you. We will talk about simple ways to decrease your outgo as well as fun and practical ways to increase your income. What's been fun about the whole increasing the income part is that when I work with clients and we talk about ways that they can increase their income, oftentimes they kind of uncover an unfounded passion that they have and they find ways to kind of scale that passion and turn it into a business. So, of course, we'll also discuss ways to make money behave inside of your business. As I continue to meet other individuals who have inspirational stories that I believe will provide tremendous value to you, I will be inviting them onto the show with me and picking their brains about what steps they took in order to realize their success and what tips they might have that they can pass along to you. And last but not least, we will be addressing any questions you have regarding how to make your money behave. If you have a question or a topic you'd like addressed, simply send an email to maria at cashinonchange.com. Be sure to include your name and city of residence in addition to your question so that if I choose your topic or question, I will be able to give you a proper shout out on that podcast. Oh, and just one more thing. I'd really love it if you could help me in my mission to get this message out to as many people as possible. There are so many people out there who are yearning to turn their circumstances into opportunities, and I would love nothing more than to help them do just that. So if you could hit subscribe and tell me what you think by leaving me a star rating, it's gonna help other people find me faster and allow me to help them more quickly. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening to the Make Money Behave podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about the Make Money Behave podcast by leaving a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. If you'd like to connect directly with Maria, text the word podcast to 623-400-5225. In the meantime, don't just make money, make money behave.